Luke chapter 21. Do you read the Bible in one hand and have a newspaper or newsfeed in the other? Do you read the Bible and you look at it and figure out it's a puzzle that you need to figure out with all the things that are going on in the world today? Are you obsessed with eschatology, which is a study of the end times? What goes through your mind when you see something in the newspaper or on the news about Israel and all the trouble in the world? Are you looking for a sign or for signs that point to the return of Jesus Christ? I would tell you this morning as we read the Word of God, the Bible is clear that Jesus Christ has promised to return, and we do not know when that time is. So if you came this week and you had prepared and read ahead of time and said, we're going to find out today when Jesus returns, I'm sorry to let you down. I'm not going to tell you a time other than he is returning and the scriptures are clear with this. The next couple of weeks, we'll look at Luke chapter 21 and we may not even get through the text today because there is so much that we must understand. And therefore, the big idea this morning is this in Luke 21 verses 5 through 24. Be watchful and not fearful. Do not look for signs, but look for the Savior, Jesus Christ. Look at chapter 21, verses 5 through 24. And while some were speaking of the temple, how it is adorned with noble stones and offerings, he said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And they asked him, Teacher, when will these things be and what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? And he said, See that you are not led astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is at hand. Do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified, for these things must first take place. But the end will not be at once. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes in various places, famines and pestilences, and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it therefore in your minds not to meditate beforehand how to answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict." You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you will be put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance you will gain your lives. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let those who are inside the city depart, and let not those who are out in the country enter it. For these are days of vengeance to fulfill all that is written. 
Alas for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days. For there will be great distress upon the earth and wrath against this people. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive among all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. The word of God. Again, we have the blessing and the great joy that we can read the words of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who is Lord God Almighty. And we're not gathered to listen to a man just speak. We're gathered over the word of God. And so again, would you pray with me? Father, we ask that you would grant us understanding. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would give me words to preach. We ask that you would give us understanding in our hearts. Remove all of the things that we've built up or argued or set up and let us hear your word plainly and clearly this morning. Let us apply it in our lives. Jesus, again, we thank you and give you praise for the sacrifice of your life to give us life eternal. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, when you read this text and when you read Matthew 24 and when you read Mark chapter 13, I'll just say this in the beginning, probably even in this room, many Christians argue and debate and disagree over what Jesus says in this text. And so there's some things that people believe. Some believe that Jesus is saying things about the destruction of the temple, which we'll look at here, that happened in A.D. 70 in Jerusalem, and that there, there's that anything in here is only signs of the second coming. Other people say, well, Jesus predicted the, this uh, uh, Jerusalem fall and temple destroyed and the second coming, and there's a mix of all this. Other people, you know, again, take this and they take that. Other people say this text only has to do about the great tribulation right before Jesus returns. And this is so important. If you're going to be a student of the word of God, the word context is so important. When you read Luke chapter 21, what is Jesus saying at that moment to those people in that place, in the gospel of Luke, in the New Testament, in the Bible and its entirety? Context is what we look at here. So take your favorite prophet, your favorite prophetess, your favorite website, your favorite writer and throw it to the side. And let's say, what does Jesus tell us this morning? This is his word. Now, here's another warning. Please do not be a Christian who says, I think it says this. No, the Bible is very clear. The Bible always says one thing. We live in a culture and in a world of Christianity today that says a Christian says, well, I read this and it means this to me and it can mean that to you. That is a lie and that is wrong. And if you view scripture that way, you are viewing it completely wrong. Scripture has one meaning from Genesis 1 to Revelation 21. It's clear. Are we clear? All right. I get fired up sometimes. I need to drink some water here. My mouth's already dried out. All right. Turn to Luke 19 real quick. Luke 19, just a few days before Jesus tells the disciples this, he comes to Jerusalem riding a donkey. He sees Jerusalem and he begins to weep over it. And this is so important for what he states here. Look at Luke chapter 19, verse 41. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. 
saying, what would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace? But now they are hidden from your eyes, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation." That's so important that you see what Jesus said there. Again, context. What he says here, Mark chapter 13 of this text says that Jesus and the disciples are just leaving the temple. They go up on the Mount of Olives. That's why it's called the Olivet Discourse. And as they're marveling at the temple and what they see, he makes these statements. And just days before, he wept over Jerusalem because he knows what is headed after their rejection of him. So look at the text here in Luke 21, verses 5 through 9. The first point is the temple will be destroyed. This is the last day of public ministry for Jesus before he goes to the cross. We've been following. He's been in the temple. He's been teaching. And let's look at verse 5 and 6. And while some were speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings, he said, as for these things that you see, the days will come when there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Let me ask you this. Would the destruction of the temple be a shock to the disciples? Any guesses? Yes? Yes. Very much so. The temple was the center of everything for the nation of Israel. This is the place, the Holy of Holies, where the priests would enter in once a year to make sacrifice to God Almighty. This glory, the Shekinah glory of God. God dwelt in that temple in one sense as they would go to worship the Lord God Almighty. This was Herod's temple. If you look at the temple and different things built in the temple, Herod's temple by historians is said one of the eighth wonders is the eighth wonder of the world. I mean, imagine a place, the temple structures, the enclosures, the colonnades, the halls, the sanctuaries with white marble everywhere. And then on the outside, gold plates. I mean, gold throughout this place that was so amazing when the sun would rise and shine this glory and people would cover their eyes because it was such a marvelous place. Some stones weighing over 160,000 pounds. And Jesus says, all of it will be torn down. Not one stone left upon another. And when you read what happened in AD 70, when, the Jerus- when Jerusalem was sacked and destroyed and the temple was torn apart, it was fulfilled just as Jesus said every word of it. Some of you, if you want to read an outside source, read the historian Josephus and the way that he describes AD 70. I mean, to a T, what Jesus said, he says this happened and he was one who witnessed it. Look at verse 7. When, Jesus, when will these things be and what will be the sign? Now, underline, highlight the word sign. They do not ask for signs. It's clear. Sign, singular. What will be the sign when these things are about to take place? Jesus, when will these thrones torn down? When will the palace or the temple be destroyed? 
They want a time period. They want an answer so that they know when it's going to happen. And instead, before Jesus answers that, he says, here's what's going to happen between now and then in your life. And it's very difficult time. Look at verse 8. He said, see that you are not led astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am he. And the time is at hand. Do not go after them. First, Jesus says, here's when it will not take place. Here is when Jerusalem will not be destroyed. Here is when the temple will not be taken out. These things must happen first. And in verse 8, he says, don't be led astray. There's many false teachers. There's false messiahs that will come in my name. He says, there's going to be people after I leave and they'll say, I am the messiah. I've returned. He says, don't be, don't follow them. Don't believe their teachings. He says in verse 8, many will come in my name. Many will claim that they are the Messiah. And this is the second return. He says they're imposters, they're frauds, they're phonies, they're pretenders, they're cons, they're fakes. They are counterfeits. Do not be misled. Again, when you read Josephus' account, he names a number of false messiahs. From the time that Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection and ascension to the day when the temple would be torn down. And we would also today take the practical application for us. Okay, Jesus is warning them about destruction to come in Jerusalem. But what about today? Would you say and agree that there are people who lie and say that they are Christ and they've returned? Some of you are like, I don't know. Well, let's name a few of them you might know. In the 1970s, a guy named Jim Jones. You know that guy? He said he was the reincarnated Jesus. But he was also reincarnated Pharaoh and Buddha and uh, Vladimir Lenin and others. People followed after him. Mass suicide. A guy named Charles Manson said he was Jesus. A guy named David Koresh said he was Jesus. Sun Myung Moon. Unification Church, he claimed to be the Messiah, fulfilling the unfinished mission of Jesus Christ. You might say, okay, those people are gone. Well, today, Alan John Miller and Mary Suzanne Luck. Alan John Miller says that he is Jesus. He came 2,000 years ago, and he's alive today. And his wife, Mary Suzanne Luck, just happens to be Mary Magdalene, who Jesus was married to. They have people who follow them today. They say, he says he is Jesus Christ. Again, so many people are misled. Do you remember Y2K? Now, not something about people saying Jesus, but how easily people feared and how easily people just did crazy things and nothing happened. I lived in California for a while and a guy named Harold Camping said the end of the world, that Christ would return on May 2nd, 2011. Billboards all over the world. But he also said before that the end of the world was October 21st, 1988. And then it was in 1994. And then he said, no, this time for sure, May 2nd, 2011. And there were hundreds of people who believed him, who read the Bible. They sold their things, quit their jobs, and waited for the return. And nothing happened. Christians who do not read the Bible are so easily swayed to believe any lie in this world. Would you read the word of God? Look at verse 9. 
He says to the disciples then, when you hear of wars and tumults, don't be terrified. For these things first must take place, but the end will not come at once. Again, wars, rumors of wars. We think of all these things. That, okay, it's leading up to the end. Jesus tells them specifically to the disciples. He says, hey, before the temple is destroyed, these things are going to happen. And if you read Josephus, again, there's a number of wars that are recorded and battles and things before, between Christ's ascension in AD 70. I was reading of one in AD 38 where 50,000 Jews were killed. Again, Jesus said these things would happen. The disciples are alive during that time leading up to that, being persecuted, losing their lives. They're seeing what Jesus said actually take place before their eyes. Don't you think that that would be something that would build their faith? He says, don't be afraid. Verse 9, do not be terrified. Don't jump to hasty conclusions. Turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I would say to you, as we read Jesus' words to the disciples, that we also are told today, don't be terrified and don't jump to hasty conclusions. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. To the church of Thessalonica, it says... Can I just say I love hearing the pages of the Bible being turned? And also you flipping on your phones. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the fact that the day of the Lord has come. I read that verse to remind you that we have not seen Jesus come in the clouds in all of his glory. The day, the end of the age, the second coming of Christ, the end of all things here, and the day of judgment has not happened. It will happen, and Jesus promised that it will, but we do not know the day or the time or the moment. But do not be shaken in your faith because you see trouble in this world. In verses 9 through 11, we see mentions of wars, earthquakes, and famine. Anything new? Not at all. Many Christians like to focus in on wars, quakes, and famines and say, okay, wait, Jesus said it here. This is going to happen. Let's fit this here and this one here and this news article. Okay, Jesus should be returning in the next year or so. I'm not going to say a day or time, but possibly. Well, you think about all the wars that just even in the last hundred years, think of World War I, World War II, the Korean War, Vietnam, the Gulf Wars. The church tends to then talk about the end of the world because we see these things happening. That's not to say, we're, hey, we're waiting for Christ's return. It's not bad to say, hey, take attention to this. Jesus does not want you distracted. He wants you to be watchful. He wants you to be ready, waiting for his return. Sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with other people and not to be terrified, as he says in verse 9. Because put yourself in the place of the disciples. You hear these things, these would be terrifying to think of wars, of famines, of diseases. And then we haven't got to the persecution part. These would be terrifying to hear. But Jesus wants them not to be and he wants them to trust in him. I mean, think back to a 9-11. What were you doing on that day when those planes hit the towers? 
Did you think it was the end of the world? Did you go to your favorite prophet or prophetess and go, well, what does that do? How does that fit in the Bible? And they're like, here, it fits that verse right there because, hey, it looks like that. How many of you freak out when you see that Israel and Palestine are shooting rockets at each other? What's new? Again, I remember sitting with family members who read the newspaper and said, look, this could happen today in our lifetime. Yes, Christ can return today. But don't force the things of history and this world into the word of God. Take it plainly and let this be the thing that captures your attention. So before this sign, Jesus gives these signs of the destruction of the temple. And we will see next week signs of his second coming. And we'll begin that uh, together. We'll have some overlap between this text next week. But look at verses 10 through 19. The second point is there will be wars and persecution continuing on here. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes in various places, famines and pestilences, and there will be terrors and great signs in heaven. Wars and nations again fighting, nothing new. Great earthquakes, you ever felt an earthquake before? There are great earthquakes that have happened throughout history. Acts chapter 16 tells us of a large one that happened in Philippi. We know that between Jesus' ascension and AD 70, there was an earthquake in Philippi. There was a great one in Crete and Palestine and Pompeii and Asia Minor. We have history that shows these huge great earthquakes that destroyed cities and killed people before the fall of Jerusalem. There were famines recorded. The book of Acts chapter 11 tells us of famine and famines during Claudius' reign in AD 46. And the gospel of Mark, this same text that Mark records, Mark says, I believe it's in verse 8 of chapter 13. He says, these are the beginning of birth pains. He says, when you see these things, they're the beginning of birth pains. Now, women who have had children in the room, you're like, I don't like birth pains. I remember those, but the start of the birth pains didn't mean that the baby was born at that moment, right? Unless the Lord just spared you and you're just like, baby came out in no pain. I can remember my wife pregnant with my first daughter and four days and I'm like, is it now? Is it now? I'm like, I can't even stay awake. Is it now? Mark says all these things are beginning of birth pains, preparing them for the fall of Jerusalem. Their question again, when will the temple be torn down? And again, today people like to fit things. Hey, there's these wars, these nations, that fits here in Daniel, and that goes in Revelation. I think that that's country there. And that, okay, we can spend all day doing that. But is that what Christ would have us do? Try to map it out so we can figure it out. We need to be a study, of, I mean, a, a student of the word. But look at it, earthquakes. When we lived in California every year, the big ones happening this year, California's falling off into the ocean and Nevada's going to have a new shoreline. I mean, that's what we were told all the time. And then you read 2004, Indonesia earthquake, tsunami kills 300,000. 2010, Haiti, 316,000 people killed. 2011, Japan, an earthquake, a tsunami kills 15 to 18,000 people. And then you look at famines. I was just reading this week, in 2021, here are the countries facing famines in our world today, this year. 
Venezuela, Burundi, Syria, Uganda, and Nicaragua. All countries in this world that are facing famines today. Again, church, if we were trying to fit all these things in then, then we would be like, okay, there's an earthquake, there's a famine, there's this war, and all this. And I'll tell you what, it causes stress, it causes anxiety, and it takes your distraction off of Jesus returning and holding to. Go read Ephesians and see the blessings, the spiritual blessings that God has poured out upon you. Rest in the inheritance set before you. Rest in the Spirit of God living in you to give you understanding in the Word. Rest in that you have peace in Christ now, even amidst all of the trouble in your world. Look at verse 12. Highlight, underline this, mark this one. We'll come back again this probably next week. It says, but before all this. You see that there? Verse 12. But before 